Hey, this is Jennifer Tribe, host of season two of Supercasters. A quick note about today's episode. This is an interview that Jason Suhoy did in season one, but we never released it, so we're bringing it to you now. Jason's guest is Dave Gerhardt. As you'll hear, at the time of recording, Dave was the chief marketing officer at Privy. He's now the chief brand officer at Drift, and his podcast is now called Pipeline instead of the B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast. Enjoy. I grew up always having the, the radio on, sports talk radio on in the background. I was interested in sports, felt like I was plugged in because I was always on. Same is true for wh- whatever industry, whatever niche you're in. And I think this is like a, a, a Gary V line, but I, I, I think it's so true. It's like the ability to have a radio station for your brand or your cause. I just think it's the best format to, to build an audience today. Hey everyone, welcome to Supercasters. I'm Jason Suhoy, co-founder and CEO of Supercast. And on this show, we interview world-class podcasters, deconstruct their growth strategies, and find out how they built sustainable, independent businesses that thrive on a strong relationship with their listeners. In this episode, I'm speaking with Dave Gerhardt, the creator and driving force behind DGMG. More on that in a second. In his day job, Dave's the CMO at Privy and widely regarded as one of today's leading B2B brand builders. Prior to Privy, he was VP of Marketing at Drift for four years, where he helped build one of the fastest growing SaaS companies of all time. He's also co-authored two books on marketing, Hypergrowth and Conversational Marketing, and he hosts the B2B Marketing Leaders podcast. Clearly, Dave knows a thing or two about marketing, which I'm excited to dig into. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's really cool. I mean, I've been podcasting since 2014 and it's changed how it's changed my career, changed business, the, every business that I've worked at, I've had a podcast and it's just, it, it's, it's cool to be like talking about this at this stage because I still remember when I started my first podcast Every, there were many people who were like, who does this guy think he is? He's re- what do you, what do you like want to be a radio host? Like, what is this thing? And, you know, every now and then it feels good to be early on something. And I also think it just, it's, it's super fun. I, I like to just, I don't love the scripted stuff. I like to just talk and, and get, you know, knowledge from other people. And so it's, it's cool to be now in a position where I'm, I'm doing some of that. So um, appreciate you having me and appreciate you pushing me to get on Supercast. Yeah, look, it seems like you're on fire. When I look back across your career, VP of marketing to CMO, podcaster, author, and now you're the leader of a huge marketing community and you're all of what, early early 30s? I'll be 34 in June. 34? How do you think about all of it? A year ago, I started a uh, private podcast uh, when I left my job at Drift and I wanted to like see if it could make a little money because I built up enough of an audience on LinkedIn and social media and a reputation where I look, there's probably 50 people who would pay 10 bucks a month to, to get more. Uh, but I, I didn't expect that it would happen so quickly and grow to this level. I had a vision for what I thought DGMG was. And it's changed four different times because you keep learning through the audience. And so what initially was just going to be like a private feed for me to rant about stuff has now shifted to like, oh, I've realized through the audience that, well, there's a huge appetite for education around B2B marketing. And I came up with this tagline, like, because no one goes to school for B2B marketing. 
And that's real because that, that's the value of DGMG. You might get in the door because you agree with something that I said or you know want to get more information from me specifically. But what the community has taught me is like, we want videos, we want interviews, we want templates, we want trainings, we want all this stuff. And I'm, I'm now seeing that this is, done, this is so much bigger than a private podcast. I just believe so much in the feedback is the key to success in marketing, the quicker you can put ideas out. And so I'm a crazy person in the sense of like, I change my mind all the time. But I also think that that's a competitive advantage because I've tested three ideas before the next person has even thought of the first one. And that just gives me an advantage to keep iterating and keep iterating. That's kind of how we're here. Yeah, I love that. So, okay, so diving into DGMG, like you said, it's changed four times, but take us back to the first version. What were you thinking? What were you seeing in terms of engagement with your LinkedIn or, you know, something else that made you think, okay, there's something here. And then what what did you build as a first pass? I think that there's a career lesson in here, which is like, I went to an early stage company, Drift. I was the first full-time marketing person there. And so my career accelerated over four years because I was like the 10th employee at Drift. That company grew from 10 to 300 people, you know, tens of millions in revenue while I was there. And so I got to experience a hyper growth company. And I went from senior marketing manager to director of marketing to VP of marketing over that time. Um, And so at the same time, Drift is a company that's selling marketing software. And so I got to not only get to feel the lessons and learnings from inside of the company, but also the industry. And so I had enough of a platform because of my experience at Drift that when I left, I had become you know, one of many people in, who may have something to say about B2B marketing. And a couple of years ago, LinkedIn started really blowing up where LinkedIn became the new Facebook, basically, where people used to think LinkedIn was just where you'd post like, P.S., my company won the Boston Business Journal Award and P.S., we're hiring. But uh, I started posting videos on LinkedIn a couple of years ago when they added video and the, the engagement was just like silly. It's not this anymore, but videos were getting like 200,000 views on a video of me walking down the street, <laughs> talking into the camera. And LinkedIn just started to take off. And so I grew, I, I grew a, a a good size audience on LinkedIn and the engagement on your posts is more, more meaningful than the audience. Cause like there's lots of people that have lots of followers, but they post something and no one comments. And that's the sign of a not real account. Right. But I just could tell people wanted more. And so when I left drift, I knew that I was going to start some type of marketing podcast because I was going to privy Privy's more focused on e-commerce. I felt like B2B marketing is kind of my thing. And so I wanted to have a way to still share that, still share my take on B2B marketing I started on on Patreon, and that was because uh, my wife listened to two podcasts that she was a subscriber on Patreon. It was like you should just do that. And so the initial version of it was me recording ten minute rants into my phone about like, all right, here's three things every landing page needs, and I'm in my kitchen on my phone recording audio into voice notes, and it was super raw. But people wanted that. People, like the first couple hundred members, wanted that. It was an extension of okay, if I'm putting stuff into the world on social media. I got endless content to talk about hiring, creating, uh, copywriting, video, events, podcasting. I, I love marketing and I've touched it all. And so I feel like I, ha- I have something to say on each one of those things. And so I just started like making a list. Oh, here's an interesting question that came up or people would send me questions. Dave, can you talk about how you test a content person? Sure. Great idea. That becomes a seven minute podcast episode that I'm just recording voice memo into my phone. And those were like, the first probably a hundred episodes that I did were just literally me, you know, firing off voice notes into my phone and uploading them to a to a private podcast feed. 
were you selective about who your initial community was or did you just kind of like blast it everywhere you could? No, because I think I had known I had known from the last four or five years of podcasting, social media, public speaking, events. I knew that there was an appetite for this. It wasn't like I had no audience and was like, I'm going to go start a paid thing for B2B marketing. Like I had already built up the top of the funnel, so to say. And so like, I'm sure that the first 1500 members were people that were all already, you know, following my content in one form or another, whether that was on LinkedIn or, you know, subscribed to a podcast that I did or was a fan of, of Drift. And so the part that you don't see now is the work to build the community to, to, to build up that o- over time. I think it's a little bit harder to go from cold start, no audience to like turn it on. I just wanted to jump back to something you mentioned um, because I noticed this too, you know, and I, re- I remember listening to one of your episodes where you're like, oh, you know, I just thought of the three things every marketer needs to know when building landing pages. And I've got 10 minutes on my drive to the grocery store to record this. It's just the opposite of approach compared to a lot of podcasters and creators who want to perfect things. They want to make sure that it's professionally produced and edited and recorded. And it just takes a long time for them to get stuff into the world. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your philosophy on this. And I guess particularly like whether that actually helps improve that connection with the audience. Yes. I mean, look, the number one reason I do it is not even because it's authentic. I do it because it's easy to me. <laughs> it's it's what I'm comfortable doing. I've done you know a million podcasts, written a million emails, blogs, whatever for the last 10 years. You could roll me out of bed at two in the morning and be like, Dave, give me some tips on making a better landing page. And I'd be like, oh, you need a headline. You, you, know, you need three benefits. Like, that's just what I think about. However... It's not great advice for everybody because I know that like there's different per- everybody has a di- there's different personality types like we do it within the marketing teams that I've worked on where everybody takes a personality test and I'm the like much more you know uh, don't really care about risk don't really care about the rules just gonna do it where like somebody else might be no I got to prep and I I did a podcast with somebody recently and she asked me uh, hey can we do a prep call before your podcast in my head I'm like no I don't do that but I realized that. She said, Hey, that I need to do this. This is how I operate and it's going to make me a better guest. Okay. And so I'm not expecting everybody to just like pull out their phone and do that. However, if you're passionate about something, you usually are passionate about that throughout the day. And I'm just trying to point out the fact that passion is like the most important thing that you need to be a successful content creator today. Cause I've seen so many YouTube channels blow up where they did almost no editing. Like I think Beard Brand is a good example of a company on YouTube where the first... Now they're like highly produced videos, but the first couple hundred thousand views they got on videos was just like straight up a seven minute talking iPhone video. And that's because the content wins there. And so for me, it's just been something that I've been able to use to my advantage to build an audience. I, I totally believe in the value of like the high production stuff. And I'm actually now taking money that I'm earning through... DGMG and just reinvesting it in content because I think now that I have an audience to to cross the gap, I'm not going to be able to reach, you know, DGMG is not going to be 20,000 members who are happy with, you know, some some short bald guy yelling into his phone. <laughs> and so I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to shift that and like deliver more value by now doing high production. It's the same way to build a startup or build a business. It's like you start with V1. And if you're not embarrassed by V1, then it's not the right V1. And so 
I just believe that the the secret, as we talked about earlier, is to get feedback. If you're going to go and be like, I can't do a podcast because it needs to be, it needs to be highly produced. I would say to you, first go out and prove it with V1. Go do like season one of your podcasts, like low production. Figure out what topics, what you're naturally good at. Then go invest and do that. And so it's not that I don't believe in the high production stuff. I just don't think that that's that that's V1. Like my first year at Drift, we did an event. And that event had a made up budget. It was done in a room that we forgot to turn the, we forgot to like extend the contract and get the air conditioning on. And the after party was probably like pizzas and wings. And four years later, we're doing million dollar, multi million dollar events. That's the right way. That's the right way to do it. And I think it's the same philosophy as from a content perspective. Now, if I was working at Apple or Netflix and they were like, hey, do a brand campaign. I'm not going to, you know, film it with my iPhone because it's a different stage. But I think for most people who are not Apple or Netflix, the, the better advice than doing high production is to just get started and get feedback. Yeah, I love that. And so maybe this is a good time. Maybe if you could describe just quickly what is DGMG and and what do people get? Yeah, so it's evolving over time, but what it is, it's a community. So so ultimately, what was my private podcast is now morphing into this bigger umbrella brand. And so DGMG is more of an umbrella brand that I'm building to focus on B2B marketing education. So if you throw out all the channels today, what DGMG is, is it's the number one place to go if you want to get better at B2B marketing. The channels that exist today are, there's a Facebook community and that's a really valuable... So I didn't even launch the Facebook community until seven, eight months into this journey when people were like, dude, we don't just want to hear your posts. We want to talk to each other. (laughs) And so I launched a Facebook group with no expectation. And the Facebook group has blown up because people want the peer group. I'm the only marketer in my company. People are in... I mean, you're in the group. People are in there like venting about the CEO, ranting about their boss. Hey, has anybody used this product? They're asking for referrals and recommendations. And so that's the thing that's made it grow much, much far beyond me, the Facebook community. Uh, Then I also have... uh, a private podcast as part of that, like Supercast is a part of that stack where I'm sharing exclusive podcast episodes. And then the piece that I'm building now is uh, DGMG University, which is people want, as much as they like the little snippets in the Facebook group, some people want more. They want, hey, do you have a template for campaign planning? Do you have uh, a template for budget? Uh, I want an hour-long interview on marketing ops my longer term goal is to build like the Netflix of B2B marketing where you, you pay whatever you log in and you're like, I'm stuck on demand gen right now. And you're going to go into DGMG and you're going to search demand gen. And you can then you know catch up on some demand gen related content that you can then take back to your job and, and, and make you smarter. So those are the channels uh, today. And I actually, you mentioned the B2B marketing leaders podcast. It's something that I, that I launched It grew really fast. And then I just stopped doing it for a while because I wasn't sure where it fit. But we've actually just changed that. And that's now basically the top of the funnel for the whole thing. Because my my theory is that if there's 2,500 DGMG members, there should be 25,000 people listening to a podcast about B2B marketing every month. And so I'm just kind of rethinking that and and using that to drive more top of the funnel. And you might have to listen to six months of podcasts before you're like, okay... I got to go in this group and, and, and see what this is all about. It's $10 a month, right? And so for $10 a 
a month people for that subscription they get access to the private podcast they get access to the facebook group and you've obviously got this coming the bigger university concept i'm in the facebook group and and one of the things that i've observed and i just love is how constructive and supportive everybody is from like navigating career decisions to clubhouse invites to book recommendations the clubhouse invites yeah dm me i got five i'm i'm i've started to remove those because they're so ridiculous now yeah uh, and i noticed that you've you know you like you have started to just uh cultivate the roles and um the culture a little bit more i mean you know i've said I will say, like to to date, it just works, and it doesn't feel like twenty five hundred people climbing all over each other. I think communities have two challenges. Number one is most of them never take off, and so you just have the community where, like, the community managers, like, it's Inspiration Thursday. Post, you know, and then that doesn't work. It might work, but they don't ever take off for that reason. Or the the thing that I'm like starting to get worried about is like just quality control over time. Uh, and and we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. It's it's fine. But the way that I'm doing that is just like it's my group, and I'm going to police the content. What I think is like you're pay what you pay for with that subscription is like you're trusting me as the tastemaker for for the group in some capacity. And so I, I can't catch every post, but I try to either remove things that are just like this is re- this is a joke. This this person just wrote a blog post about their company, and they're like, check this out. Nobody wants that. Versus like the other day, somebody DM me an anonymous question about, you know, how to like leave his job and do all this stuff. And I'm like, that's the stuff that I would much rather have way less members who get more value than just open it up to the top to, to everybody. The other thing I try to do is reinforce, it's just like management, <laughs> reinforce good things like Hey, this was a great post. And so like lately I've been commenting like, hey, this is a great use of DGMG. So other people will see that to reinforce, like, you know, encourage that type of sharing. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then speaking of Clubhouse, have you been diving into that? Where, where do you think it fits in relative to podcasting? I had two weeks where I went like heavy on Clubhouse. It was cool. Beyond podcasting, audio is the best channel, at least for me, it's my favorite. I think it gives you so much flexibility from a content creation standpoint to not have to get on Zoom, to not have to have slides. I love audio as a format. And I think podcasting was like part one of that. I think this stuff is part two. Clubhouse is cool. What would be cooler is I I love the idea of Twitter spaces um, just because you already have an audience there. And so like if you're a brand or a person that has already built up a following there... You know, you, you have the distribution built in, and so it's like I already follow Jason. Oh, cool! He's he's like live right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in. Uh, I also think that format would be really cool for community, for example. So if there's 2,500 DGMG members, could I just go live from an audio perspective just to that group? You know that that to me would be the killer piece of this. Right. So, and I mean, your community is all on. Facebook, right? But I mean, wherever the community is, obviously having that tool available just to pull people in real time. Yeah. Audio to me, like I'll give you an example. So after I have a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old, and so I don't have the most time in the world to sit down and read books. And so after my kids were born, I wanted to keep learning and keep reading. And so I, I never understood audiobooks, but once my kids were born, I got into audiobooks. And so now when I'm working out or going to the store or in the car, I can still catch up on a book. 
And the same is true with content for your brand or your business. And so like instead of only sending out newsletters and only reading blog posts, you know, you can have this flexible format of content where like, look, if you sell to to CMO, to enterprise CMOs, create the show that's interesting to enterprise CMOs and have the podcast or community or whatever that enterprise CMOs are listening to, you know, while while they're hanging out on the weekends, you know, doing some work in the backyard. That that's that's how I think about marketing. And I think audio is the best format to do that. I grew up always having the the radio on, sports talk radio on in the background. I was interested in sports, felt like I was plugged in because I was always on. Same is true for what whatever industry, whatever niche you're in. It's like it's the ability to have and I think this is like a, a, a Gary V line, but I, I I think it's so true. It's like the ability to have a radio station for your brand or your cause. I saw even in my neighborhood people running for like city council in my town. And I was like, why? If I was running for city council, my sign would be like my face and be like, listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, because that's the quickest way to get to like hear my take and, and learn from me. I just think it's the best format to, to build an audience today. Yeah. And what I, I mean, obviously, clearly I, you know, agree strongly with that. <laughs> you started a company in this space. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that I've found fascinating very early on, you know, particularly with creators like you, is that you're often more than one medium too, right? Like you, you, you have a strong affinity to audio and yet audio doesn't contain you, right? Like it, it is not the only channel, you know, like with, and I'm not sure how much you do on, I know you're a big fan of copywriting. I'm not sure how, whether you have a newsletter and, you know, you embrace that as well as doing video, but you know, more and more I'm seeing creators are multi-medium. They're, you know, kind of like collecting different ways of engaging with their community. How do you think about that? I think over time, you need to be in multiple places. But I think when you're starting, the the thing that I've seen a lot is like, especially brands will be like, they have an average, well, we got a podcast, we got social media, we got a blog, we got a YouTube, you know, every YouTube video has, you know, 17 views, you got 41 downloads of your podcast. And so like, I just believe in the power of like, focus on that one channel, like whether that's a newsletter, whether that's a supercast feed, whether that's a blog, pick that one channel, build the audience on that channel, learn through that audience and then extend because like the way you're going to get your first... If I was launching a YouTube channel, the way that I would get my first thousand YouTube subscribers is not going to be from cold traffic from people I don't know. It's going to be what value can I offer to my existing audience to get them to come to YouTube? And I think that that's a creep play over time where you want to extend the web but I think like for mo- to to be successful you really probably need you know two two channels in the beginning but then over time you should be everywhere look at look at Salesforce right they got 100 events a year 10 different blogs there's a million different examples but I think focus is better in the early days just starting to wrap up this main section now if you could do something over again what would you do differently mm. that's a good question so when I launched, I had a $10 tier and I had a $30 tier. And that was a mistake. Because I, I got a bunch of $30 members, but what... And I corrected it within a couple months. But what I was what was too hard was like, I was trying to split the content in too many different ways before the audience was big enough. I didn't like having to think of like, okay, I'm going to interview Jason, but only this part's going to go here and this part's going to go here. 
like I can do that now because I have more of a sense of direction. And I know what the audience wants, but like I just think that like simplicity uh, and focus is always going to be better. And so instead of saying like I'm going to have this, to, same thing happens. Like I'm in marketing, and so I see people who would be like, or it'd be a potential privy customer, and they'll be like, I want to do. I'm not doing anything to grow my Shopify store right now. And I want to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, wait, so you've never done these 15 things before and you're going to turn them all on your website and that's just going to magically work. Like, how about you pick one, start, and then prove it that's successful and then add two. Don't go into launching a paid community with like, we're going to have this tier and this tier and this tier and this tier. Just be patient. I would be patient and focus on creating like the front end offer first. Okay. First thing we're going to do is we're just going to do this like premium feed and we're going to see if that works. Huh. Then from that audience, we're going to learn and maybe add more. So like simplify your pricing model to focus on one thing. That was a mistake that I made early on. And like when I changed the price to just $10, the, the registration went went through the roof. Like I think that month we added like 700 members for, for that reason. So simplify, simplify have that one front door. And now there's 15 different ways that I could take this because we have the engaged core audience now. Word. Yeah. I mean, we are giving that advice all the time. I mean, people, when they're creating their Supercast landing page, they want to, you know, they want three, five, seven different tiers, you know, because they think people want to pick and choose, but the best performing ones just have one. All right. So we're going to wrap up this section. So for our Supercasters Premium listeners, um, we're now going to jump into a bonus section, deep diving into how Dave thinks about his marketing funnel. So if you want to learn how one of the most prolific marketers in the world thinks about growing traffic and creating multiple revenue streams, uh, then you better listen in. So all you need to do is to sign up for Supercasts Premium Feed at premium.supercast.com. You can find the link in the show notes. It's free and you'll get the premium supercasters feed in your podcast player in just a couple of taps that's premium.supercast.com and it'll take you less than one minute it's great that's like the best that's the best trial you could have is like hey here's how this would work and you don't have to pay for it <laughs> totally totally dave where can people find you at dave gerhardt on on twitter and that's the easiest that's kind of like the central resource you'll, you'll find everything else there love it always a pleasure mate congrats again and uh thanks everyone for listening in yeah thank you 